Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Learning with Bell Vista Studios. I think this episode is going to be very useful for those of you out in the industry who are just starting out and potentially are hearing terminology or jargon or people in instructional design using words and terms where you're like, I have no idea what they're talking about. And there are as Kim would know as well, there are lots of like random terms that we have gotten so used to saying and hearing in our roles. But um, yeah, for people that are new, you might not know what we're talking about. So what we're going to do in this video is we're going to go through the terms that we think come up a lot in our team and in the instructional design world. I've got all of the terms listed down. I'm going to be quizzing Kim on what the terms mean. <laughs> so Kim's a little bit nervous because we just don't know what's going to happen. She hasn't seen the terms that I'm going to bring up, but I'm confident that Kim is going to add a lot of value. And she's very like, she shares the need to know information and like, we'll make it very clear for you. So you know what people are talking about. Hopefully. Are you ready, Kim? A little bit. I feel foggy. I've just come from like two and a half weeks of holidays. So I definitely feel foggy. And I feel like this is like, refresher training like I'm actually being assessed am I still competent to run Bell Vista Studios and to be part of this team so <laughs> that's probably where the nerves are coming from <laughs> all right so much fun <laughs> yay <laughs> okay so the first one is L&D learning and development it is normally a department within an organization RED organizational development also generally a um, team within a an organization so some companies will have an L&D team some will have an OD team some will have both some like as in both exist and some are the same thing yeah QA quality assurance <laughs> which do we need more explanation or that's it? No, I get it's just like checking to make sure everything's correct, right? Okay. Yeah, In cool. Quality assurance, yeah. <laughs> uh, UX. User experience. So what does that mean specifically? Like how they experience? <laughs> we just said no more details and then you're like, yeah, and please elaborate and give the thesaurus a version. <laughs> um, user experience. I think it's like a... Um, what do you call those things? Like a, like instructional design is a, God, I really am foggy. Uh, like a practice or a thing that people do. A discipline, that's the word. Thanks, Hannah. Um, so user experience is also a discipline. It comes from the product world, but it's starting to come into other um, disciplines. And basically it is about going out and finding what is the best user experience? That might be a learner, that might be an employee, that might be a customer. What is the best experience for them and designing an experience that works best for their needs? Yeah, love it. VR. Virtual reality. So it's a, my understanding is it's a technology. Um, generally you see people using those goggles on their face and it's about being put into a virtual world where you're immersed and it can include things with like sound and feeling like more senses than just sight. LMS. 
LMS. <laughs> <laughs> Learning management system. Generally, a client or a um, company that wants to track compliance or track completion of a learning solution will have something generally an LMS, a learning management system, where the solution sits mm. and the technology between when you hear SPORM, when you hear like it tracks completion between your solution, the e-learning module mm. and the LMS and says, hey, Hannah has now got to the end of this like module. She got this specific score and she is complete or passed but not all solutions require that because they might be hosted somewhere else. They could just be hosted on an intranet. And that's something important to find out at the beginning when you're scoping your project, where is it going to be hosted and do they need to track completion um, or scores because that influences where it ends up. SME. Subject matter expert. It tends to be the person that is the most knowledgeable on a topic or a, a thing that you're creating the solution for. So they might be like the manager of a part of the business. Like if you think about project management, the SME might be the head of that department. And he's the one saying, this is how the process he or she is saying, this is how we do project management within our organization. These are the processes, these are the guidelines, and you're liaising with that subject matter expert as one of your stakeholders to create your solution. And you might have one or many because there can be subject matter experts. So basically just think of them as the known expert in the topic that you're creating. Doesn't mean they're the best at it, but they are appreciated as, as having the most knowledge on the topic to help you, support you create your solution. Addy. God. You don't have to go into detail. <laughs> but just, if someone heard that, what is like what's the high level thing of what it like? Yeah. It's, it's a, method a method. methodology. Yeah, thank you. So it's quite common. I think think of it as like a process. So getting from the start of your solution to the end of your solution, it goes through analysis, design, development, implementation, and evaluation. So it's thinking about if you think about you're solving a problem and you're like how do i start solving this problem if you look up addy that's basically a five-step process that can help you get through it now there's many tasks within that but just think of it like that yeah definitely you want to be able to explain and have familiarity with that if you're going for jobs and interviews and it's just a good basic level to get familiar with to start developing your own instructional design practice. SCORM. I don't even know what the letters stand for, but basically it's a package like, you know, like you have a folder on your computer, like, and in that folder might be lots of images or like Word documents. And then you have like a zip file where like it's compressed a folder and everything's locked inside it. Well, essentially a SCORM file is another version of that. So just think of it like another folder holding files. And these files happen to be pushed out of your e-learning development tool 
mm. into a SCORM file. So it's literally a little zip folder and it has things like the homepage, all the images, all the attachments. It makes it run on the internet and makes it run in the LMS. So it's holding all of the files in one place. And that file is what gets uploaded into someone's LMS or their LXP or wherever they're going to host their e-learning. So that's the thing that you need to spit out because when they have a SCORM file, generally it means that they want to track completion. Love it. This is so helpful. <laughs> if I heard all this when I just started, I'd be like, this is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, SCORM Cloud. SCORM Cloud, a great free tool um, where you can upload, when you publish your file, going on to the previous one, and you get that little SCORM folder, put it into SCORM Cloud, which is a free website where you literally just click upload, grab my SCORM thing, and you're essentially mirroring the process that your LMS administrator is going to do by uploading it into their LMS, but you've got like this fake LMS that you can go, well, is my file working? Mm -hmm. And you can run your whole course and make sure that it tracks completion, um, gets you the score in your quiz if you've got one. So essentially you're doing, it's a great way to do QA and make sure that your SCORM file is tracking completion in an LMS. That was a nice way to summarize some of the things that we've done. Very good. Uh, learning objective. Um, so that to me is basically the thing that you want a person to do differently after they have experienced your training solution. Love it. Job aid. This could be anything that helps a person do their job in the moment they require support. So it could be as easy as an A4 document, or it could be an e-learning solution that is more immersive or a video, um, instructional video, like going, having like the little um, mouse clicking and showing you how to do things. So basically the way you wanna think about a job aid is if someone needs help in the moment that they are doing a task, what could be the most useful thing for them to pick it up and go, yep, I get it. And now I can go do it or use whatever that thing is and step through it at the same time and then move on with their lives. So it's in the moment job support. And they might use it more than once as well. Sorry, Hannah. No, um, right. Like it's not generally a one-off event. It's kind of an aid to help them practice until they embed it as a habit where they become familiar with that process over time. So they're probably likely to access it more than once. Yeah. M learning. Mobile learning. Um, and I think there'll be lots of different, different definitions of this. If you just think about, I think, the understanding in a, our customer's perspective is that it will work on mobile devices. A mobile device may be a phone or a um, tablet, but mobile learning just means, I think really, if you can access it anywhere, anytime. Mm -hmm. Do you have the answers in front of you in case I got stuck? Nope. Oh. Oh. <laughs> just the way you're like, mm. I was like, oh, maybe I've got the Wikipedia <laughs> definition down. <laughs> um, e-learning. 
e-learning is any kind of learning that is done electronically, I guess, um, like on a computer, on a tablet, through a podcast. Um, I think it's maybe just describe it as anything outside of a face-to-face -face environment is maybe the differentiator. So it's not necessarily like an e-learning module as we traditionally know it to sit down at a laptop and click next and get through stuff. It's any kind of learning experience that happens through technology. Mm. Social learning. Uh, this is, there's lots of ways to do it, but it's learning with others. Um, and so social learning could be something like a discussion board or a forum. It could be coaching or mentoring. It could be a community of practice. Um, it could be just literally me turning to Hannah and being like, hey, can you please help me with this? And then she gives me the answer. So um, it's basically using more than one person to learn an outcome. Look at you go, Kim. You're getting the, you're smashing all of them. <laughs> getting through that fog. Yeah. <laughs> slowly, slowly. Uh, action mapping. Oh, amazing. Uh, <laughs> Addy, screw Addy. And yeah. skip, to, <laughs> all the way. skip to action mapping as the first thing you learn. You want to Google it. But it was created by Kathy Moore. Uh, it's a fantastic methodology process, whatever you want to call it, where it helps you determine project goals, business goals, learning outcomes or objectives, whatever you want to call them, the behaviors and actions that you need to create a learning solution around. And it involves the right stakeholders. It is a really effective process to create an effective learning solution. Mm. It's epic. So good. Uh, Bloom's taxonomy. This is, again, another methodology or process. I actually don't know the difference between those two words, like on a technicality level. So I'm just going to use them interchangeably. Um, but Bloom's taxonomy is basically this triangle. And just think of it as adjectives. So adjectives are doing words. So running, jumping, um, speaking, listening. So think of it like that. Generally, what we want to do is we use it to support writing learning objectives. And the reason it's effective is because it is focusing on doing words. And it will have things like executing or practicing or, um, I don't know, creating, applying. And these adjectives help you think about what do I need the learner to do differently as a result of my solution? And what level of training am I creating? And what I mean by that is this triangle starts, I think it's like it create at the end, at the very top, down to remember at the bottom. And if we think back to school, a lot of our training was around our education um, was around that lower level of learning, which is remember your times tables. Two times two is four. 10 times 10 is 100. And how we learned that was we just kept repeating it over and over until we remembered it. Um, same with like learning a language. Whenever I've learned a language, it was always like 
all of the words on the board and we just keep saying them over and over and then the teacher would rub them out and then like they would start minimizing and we'd have to recall information it, and it's not always the most effective way to learn because um like i can't well, now we use a calculator right like so i don't have to remember things in my times tables i'm not as familiar whereas in the past when i was 10 12 16 whatever i could just be like boom 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 because i have remembered it but now i don't remember it anymore same with the languages i don't remember them because i haven't used them but when we move up that triangle up to create is adjectives that help embed the learning more effectively so if i am if I think about me trying to learn now, I will watch learning language now. I watch movies and shows that are in French, for example, and I recall and remember words from back in school days. And I remember the experience in the classroom. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that that is the word for toilet or whatever. Um, but now to embed my learning, because I'm not making progress, I'm thinking about how do I create? How do I embed the learning at a higher level? So I use something like Google Translate to create an, a language um, experience for me. And what that looks like is I will journal in French about my day. So I'm having to create That's okay. a French outcome or a French script from my brain. Mm. And I don't always know that. And so like I'm really, really basic. But um. There's a big difference between just watching a French movie or a French TV show and then trying to actually type from scratch about my day. I'm using different parts of the brain and all this kind of stuff. So Bloom's taxonomy is a great way for instructional designers to think about what kind of outcome do I need this learner to do differently as a result of my training? Is it something such as remember where the intranet is so that you can go and find it later on um or is it like create a script for yourself as a manager to go and hold a performance conversation with your staff later so you could just give them a script and be like hey here's what a good um script looks like or here are the key components of a good script go create one. So it's just a good accountability for us to make sure that we are creating effective learning outcomes and training experiences. Love it. Very good explanation, Kim. Thanks. Uh, accessibility. Accessibility. This means creating experiences that are accessible to all human beings. Yeah. I think like I'll probably dive a little bit deeper uh, just in the aspect of like with us. Generally, when a client says that they need things like screen readers, they need things like um, the color contrast. There's a tool called I think it's the Web Aim. Oh no, what am I talking about? Google Web Accessibility 2.0, and it, there's different criteria. There's A double A, triple A. This is what we use in Australia. In America, I can't remember what it is called, but there's a different one. We will find it out um, and put it in the description, but I, I can't remember what it is right now. It's, it's like 508 or something. Yeah, something like that. Early um, 
we ha haven't used it like because we don't create solutions generally for americans but um yeah there's basically criteria when someone mentions accessibility it means there's a lot more work to consider and that checklist that exists helps you go what do i need to consider in my solution to make sure that my solution is accessible to anyone that will undertake it and what you want to do is seek to understand what what specifics of accessibility are important to your client or the solution that you create to make sure that you tick them off and that you do them and that you're not spending time on something that isn't important or you can consider how to solve that problem effectively yeah what's a screen reader when someone uh, so screen reader is you can do it on your computer um i can't remember the shortcut off the top of my head but basically what it does is um it will read all the text on your for example on your computer so if you think about opening the google homepage, if you are vision impaired you may choose to use a screen reader to direct you around the google homepage. like how can you use it if you are vision impaired and and there's other reasons you would use it you don't also need like you don't always need to be vision impaired but what it does is the technology behind your solution and the hosting solution like the lms or the uh, the website it's sitting on basically will read what's on the page to you so it will say uh, for example i don't know how it's set up but it might say like you're on google.com type what you are looking for and hit enter mm. so if you're ever needing to create a solution for a screen reader a good thing a good test to do is to blindfold yourself and try and navigate your solution mm. without any sight to understand would you know what to do if the screen was literally reading what is happening to you it's basically a voiceover talking you through it yeah um, yeah and then screen readers generally have technology like they're quite good in what they do but what they do is you can use your keyboard shortcuts to navigate through so like a lot of people they use tab and stuff they're not always using their mouse so it doesn't mean that you are living with a disability and that's why you choose to have accessible solutions like some people's preference is to tab through things on a computer to navigate and they don't use a mouse so it is that technology is also available where it's going from like reading out the text on screen and then you tab and it will go to your next button for example or a button that you can interact with on screen uh blended learning blended learning is a way of creating a solution that includes things like social learning e-learning m learning uh face-to-face -face training job aids mm. so it is just basically a blended solution I tend to think they're the most effective because when you're creating a blended solution, it means that you've thought properly about the solution that you are, the problem that you're trying to solve and you're creating a solution that is the most useful in the environment it's gonna be used in. And that's why you're encompassing things like maybe a job aid and maybe face-to-face -face for this part and maybe we've got e-learning for this part. This is one that I never knew what it meant. <laughs> So I think this is one for people. Hopefully I know. Uh, 
<laughs> I think it's like a real, like everyone uses it all the time. And I was like, what is everyone talking about? Okay. Um, bespoke. Bespoke. Oh, it basically means custom. Yeah. yeah. Custom solution. Bespoke. Custom. <laughs> uh, I don't know, actually. Yeah. Maybe bespoke is like fancy. Um, yeah. Generally what they're looking for when they say that is they're saying like, yeah, there's code of conduct or there's bullying and uh, harassment training out there, but we need it bespoke. We need it custom to our organization. And what that might look like is it could just be, here's the content from that uh, like generic course, but make it look like it's our organizations, like mm -hmm. change the colors, put our people in the photos, stuff like that. Or it means we want to, we we want a like custom solution that is like kind of a human centered approach to figure out what's going on in our organization, create a bullying and harassment course specific to meet the needs of the problems we're trying to solve. Yeah. Love it. Um, off the shelf content. It's generally a generic solution that will apply to many organizations, regardless of their size or industry. So it, again, bullying and harassment, it might sit there and like there'll be one for Australia, for example. And um, because we have legislation on bullying and harassment, that's what I mean. So other countries, you might not be able to do a global one necessarily. You could do a global one it, um, where you just focus on behaviors and stuff. But generally it will uh, communicate things specific to I don't know, the Australian legislation on bullying and harassment, for example. So it's an off the shelf where you can literally just buy it and you should be able to plug and play and release it to your learners straight away. But you always want to like go through it and make sure that it meets your specific needs in the organization because they are generic. They're trying to cover such a big audience group, maybe the whole world in that off -shelf, the shelf solution. So is it going to be effective for the um your specific situation. Yeah. Um, when someone says like a branching scenario, what does that mean? A branching scenario means that it, I guess it's, it's different from a multiple choice, a one level multiple choice actually, because it would be, here's a situation, what do you do? And you might choose A, B, C. And how a branching scenario plays out is then you're presented with the consequences of your choice. Mm. So situation, make a decision. Now the consequences play out and you have a new expanded or further down the timeline um, situation playing out. Now make more choices mm. and it continues on until you've got to the outcome and you, that could be good or bad. And then you might respond. So it, yeah, it tends to just expand beyond making one decision and receiving feedback on it. Yeah. Um, gamification. Gamification is around um, using elements from the gaming world, such as points or badges, um, and using them in learning for motivation. Mm. So sometimes they te gamification tends to be extrinsically motivated in what we see, but it can also be intrinsically motivated, 
motivating for learners. Mm. So you, extrinsic is talking about badges, points, um, leaderboards, things like that. And the intrinsic stuff is like, you can do research on why games are effective and then you find this kind of stuff out. But it's like, how can someone sit and play a game for eight hours? What is it about that? And when you talk to gamers, we've done it in the past to figure it out, is like, they sit there because they're like, I want to be number one. Mm. I love exploring the world that I'm in. I'm not there to complete the missions, but I just love looking around and finding treasures, you know, so that curiosity mindset. Mm -hmm. So it's thinking about, okay, well, if curiosity can get someone to be immersed in something that adds value to their life for eight hours, how can we replicate that into the learning experience? How can we um, create curiosity in our training solution? So what does that look like? So that's pretty cool. It is different. I don't know if you have this as a word game mechanics that you want to explain, but it is different to that. Mm. Um, and game mechanics is things like how games are made, which would be more like leaderboards, points, um, scores, stuff like that. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think of games, but I'm not really familiar mm. with them. Um, even like little things as like like a tick and a cross coming up on a quiz like instead of just text going incorrect correct like if you had like a little tick that like whirls up into the mm. onto the screen it's like and then sound effects are like bring you won or like you got that answer correct that's a game mechanic yeah. um yeah infographic we're getting close to getting okay. close to the end <laughs> Infographic is a basically a snapshot of information, need to know information, um, to help someone be aware of something or do something differently. So generally it will communicate like the top five tips or a process, but it's generally like if you just in your mind think A4 piece of paper, how can I communicate this with as minimal text? And it's generally supported with visuals. So visuals might be icons or mm. arrows getting you from one step to the next. So it's information and a graphic combined in generally an A4 sized. I think I'm putting A4 there. It's not normally A4, but I'm trying to limit like you to sheet creating. Of paper a little bit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it could just be like a little graphic yeah. that goes onto your e-learning, yeah. like one screen yeah communicating a process like a process diagram is technically an infographic. infographic yeah okay two more to go kim you are absolutely smashing it <laughs> i'm very proud <laughs> um prototype prototype is any rough draft of your work so yeah. it's an incomplete thing or an unapproved thing until it becomes complete or approved could be a storyboard, could be just a Word document with dot points, could be a piece of paper prototype where you're like drawing it out with little buttons and stuff, could be a template that you produce for an e-learning module, could be a couple of screens of an e-learning, could be the first draft of your e-learning that you start send to a client, basically anything that is not final, you're just testing to see, are we on the right track? Yeah. What do we need to do to move forward towards an approved stage? 
And the last one, which we use a lot, is storyboard. Storyboard. What is this? That? Is anything that allows you to plan the flow mm. and need to know information that will end up in your solution. Yeah. So it's generally focuses on content like text it doesn't we don't in our storyboards do any visual stuff but you can choose to do that but it's anything that helps you plan the flow and need to know information that will end up in the learning training solution that a learner would undertake you did it Asked. Do you accept me back into the team? Yeah. <laughs> you smashed every single one, Kim. What were you worried about? <laughs> <Okay>. thank-, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for tuning in and checking out this episode. We hope that it added value to you. I know for me, like when I started in the instructional design world, all of these these terms and terminology it was would be extremely useful for me to have known from the very beginning. And yeah, for us, like we've just learned it over time. So we hope that you can get a head start through hearing what they all mean. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for listening. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Kim, before we finish up this episode? No, I I would just say uh, there's like so many other acronyms and terms from Mm. the industry um, that we haven't covered here. These are like the most common for sure. I would just say if you have come across any add them into the comments um, so that other people can like, we can just build a resource of like all the acronyms. There's probably actually, if you just Google all the acronyms in the L&D, OD world, instructional design world, whatever that probably exists, but people are here learning in this video. So comments, add any acronyms or terms that you're like, people should know this because it stumped me. That would be really helpful. Yeah, love that. Great idea. Great. Thanks for tuning in. Bye, humans. What's up, awesome human? Thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of myself and the Bell Vista Studios team for continuously choosing to learn with us. We really appreciate it. If the tips and the insights and the context resonate with you and you want to take your skills to the next level or you want to make your life way easier, you will love our Creator Hub. The Creator Hub is a place for people like you and us, basically, it's the stuff that we use internally at Bell Vista Studios and then we just share it publicly with you. The Creator Hub is created by instructional designers for instructional designers. And what you'll love there at the moment is we've got a quiz, Could I Be a Better Instructional Designer? That has so much tips in the feedback if you're interested in human-centered design or just taking your skills to the next level in terms of the solutions you're creating, the problems you want to solve. But in there as well, Aren't we cute? That's us. Um, But we've got the coaching courses, freebies, give us gratitude. And also we've got some templates. And basically they're always around the lens of learning experience design, instructional design and e-learning. So a human centered design focus is very much what we're about at Bell Vista Studio. So putting your learners at the heart of a solution and creating something for their needs. So there's the human-centered design stuff and then we've also got the business stuff. So this is the stuff they don't teach you about when you want to become a freelancer or a consultant in the instructional design world. So go check it out. The link is in the description. You can check out everything that is available for you. Thank you for choosing to learn with us. 
continuously invest in your skills. You will be rewarded as an instructional designer. Share this stuff, share it with other people because when we are better instructional designers, we create better solutions that create better humans that create a better world. So we have a very important role and I'm excited to be on this journey with you. Have an awesome day.